Good. Praise God. Thank you to those people who uh, sacrificed so much last week to serve on that camp. It's just it's an incredible thing to bring hope to someone's life, isn't it? When someone has no hope or is bound up in fear and is lost, I guess, is really the word. When a rescuer comes, when someone comes and brings them hope, it's just very much the heart of God. And last week, you might remember, if you were here, we uh, looked at a few things that might be uh, a way of making sure you thrive in 2013 rather than just surviving the year. Uh, because in God's economy, I think we're supposed to live as victors, not as defeated people. And so one of the things I shared was to keep the main thing the main thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and don't take your eyes off God. Second thing was to see if you can excel in joy this year rather than seeing the glass half empty. See it from God's perspective that there's always a glass that's half full. There's always opportunity. There's always a place that we can find contentment. Even when times are tough, the circumstances shouldn't dictate our attitude. We should be able to rise above that and live um, with a sense of joy in our hearts. We looked at being a a friend that's a, a benefactor, someone who invests into other people's lives. Someone who doesn't take away by the words that they speak or their actions, but someone who actually builds other people up, esteems them and, and serves them. I encourage you to look for God opportunities every day, that in your, in your world, in your sphere of influence, that God's going to put you next to people who are, are ready for you to be Jesus to them. They'll be there. It's just whether or not our eyes and our hearts are open to see the needs. Remember last year our theme was to be extravagantly generous. Well, that doesn't disappear in 2013. It still remains the heart of God. It always applies to be generous. The other thing I encourage you to do was to to deal with the elephants in the room. You know, those things in your life that have been holding you back, that you've been putting off dealing with marriage problems or anger issues or addictions or something. In 2013, don't ignore the elephant anymore. Get some help. Have some ministry. Bring the issue out of the closet and deal with it once and for all and have freedom and liberty this year. And the last thing I encourage you to do was to to really just embrace that concept of, um, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our job description, to bring heaven to earth. It's a very simple principle. Uh, It's easy to say, harder to do, like most things in Scripture. But really God just wants us to be his hands and his feet and his ears and his eyes and his mouth and to bring heaven to earth. And I want to share a little bit more about that today. Um, This is the Wilson's dog that got lost this week. His name is Gertrude. Not really, our dog's not quite that ugly. (laughs) But I want to talk to you this morning about a heart for the lost. When I was 16, um, I went to Luther College in Croydon and I, everyone in year nine had to do work experience. And my work experience was working at the Victorian Animal Aid Trust in Kilsyth. And, uh, you know, very green behind the ears, I went off to my first day of, of work at uh, this animal refuge, not really knowing what I was about to get myself into. And... Um, I got to meet the staff, and the staff were mostly uh, young ladies between the age of 18 and 25. They were pretty rough and rugged, um, very tough on the outside, but they had a heart for animals and an incredible passion for animals. And uh, 
I think they knew I was pretty uh, vulnerable as a young man, trying to be tough, but not really. And so my first job was to enter into all the cages with the German shepherds and the, the beaten, bruised, battered dogs who were aggressive and to hose out the cage. So with great bravado, I got in there with all these, you know, dogs that are about to rip you to pieces and tried to be tough. So they wore me down over the, over the day. And at the end of the day, my job um, was to go in with the vet. And the first job I had at the end of that day was to hold 150 animals while they euthanized them. My job was to hold the dog while the vet injected them. And then once they were dead, to take them out and put them in 44-gallon drums. And at the end of the day, there was probably eight or nine of these drums just full of the most beautiful animals you could ever meet. I cried the whole time. You know, but God spoke to me, even though I wasn't really work, walking with the Lord at that time. God spoke to me and said, Mark, this is a picture of what life can be like for you. Because you can either see people get put on the scrap heap and die, or you can be someone who brings them hope, who brings them a, a future. You know, people don't have to be, you know, euthanized. People don't have to be thrown on a heap where they're just going to get burnt. You can bring them joy and hope in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that, that sort of experience for me was quite gut-wrenching, but it, it helped me understand God's heart for the lost because it was such a waste and it was so pointless and so needless. And so today I want to share a little bit about the mandate of Jesus because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In a nutshell, that's what he came to do. And that's easy from a distance to see that that was what Jesus' mandate was, to come and take on the form of humanity and, and to get into community and find you know, tax collectors and sinners and people who were bruised and battered by the world and, and to love them and, and nurture them into the kingdom. We can look at that at a distance and say, that was great for you, Jesus. But then at the end of his ministry, he stood and he said, well, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And, and that's not a cop-out, that's an obligation for us. You cannot read that scripture and say, well, God, somehow I can divorce myself from that statement. We've got to take ownership and realize that, that God is sending us to the lost and the needy and the broken. And right through scripture, in so many ways, God tried to communicate his heart for broken people, for lost people. And, and we've got to get that heart for God. You know, in Christendom, in our church circles, it's so often easy to get into a, a rut and a mundane where, where, where we don't really connect with lost people, broken people, unlovely people, marginalized people. But God is calling us as a church, I believe, to have that as the forefront of our ministry. Let me put it this way. The tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. 
Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbours together and she says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. And in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back home to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way up, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. No longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. But the father said to his servants, We've passed that one. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's one of the most fundamental principles of, of Christianity. You're either lost or found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus is trying to, I guess, paint a picture of what it means to be lost in humanity. And he uses a number of different parables or illustrations to do that. And the first one we can really identify with because he says there's a shepherd who's lost a sheep. He leaves the 99 to go after the lost one. And we can all identify with a life where we've, you know, out of naivety or foolishness, we've got away from the things of God or we've lived a life where we've been curious about the world and we've got ourselves in a mess. And Jesus has come and his enlightenment comes and his revelation comes and we know that we are rescued. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus putting that sheep on his shoulder and carrying it back to safety. This is a great picture of Jesus, the, the good shepherd who comes to rescue us, gave his life for us, 
takes a risk for us and he restores us. But there's so many people who fit that description in life, don't they? Just, just, just naively got involved in things of the world, got entangled in the wrong relationship, didn't intentionally set out to be in a mess, but they've ended up there somehow, married the wrong person, just made wrong choices in their life like a little sheep that thought, what's over that hill over there? Didn't realize the dangers of the wolf or the enemy was going to prey on them. And suddenly they're a 25-year-old whose marriage is a mess. They've had a, 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 a pregnancy out of wedlock. They've had a drug addiction. They've been abused. Some, their life's just turned out horribly. And they need someone to rescue. And God's saying, I'll rescue them. I'm the good shepherd. I'll come and I'll nurture them. I'll bring them back home and I'll celebrate over them. And then Jesus uses the illustration of a coin. And it's a slightly different perspective on being lost because a coin doesn't have a choice. It got lost because it was neglected. It wasn't valued like it should have been. And you and I could bring lots of sort of testimonies of people that we know or maybe even our own story where we weren't valued as a child, where we weren't given great parenthood. We were sort of like that coin that got lost down the back of the couch. We were there, but we weren't valued. We were neglected or abandoned. We weren't treated the way that we should have been. It wasn't our choice. We didn't choose to have a parent that spoke negativity into our life. We didn't choose that lifestyle, but we were the victim of it. And it shaped us and it molded us. But Jesus is saying that he's like a woman that will come. Like the Holy Spirit is, is, is pictured here as someone who's a caring, loving mother who will try and find that coin and value it again. Turn the whole house upside down. Light a lamp and bring revelation and show that coin that's been neglected how much it's really worth. That's the heart of God to come and bring hope to people, to replace the lies with truth, to bring enlightenment, to speak truth instead of lies. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the third illustration. And the third illustration is really a picture of the Father God the father that's longing and waiting for his son to come home. You know, we can all identify with this one, that we just outrightly chose rebellion. This is my story. I knew what truth was. I, I knew what it was right to walk in the, in the counsel of God, and, but I just chose rebellion. It was my own fault. It wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't God's fault. I was just like this young man who said, I'm just going to go and experience the world. And after countless relationships and countless pain and this this entanglement with all sorts of relationships and soul ties and the occult and all sorts of decisions that I chose myself, I ended up in a mess. And I needed my father to say, it's okay, you can come home. I'll accept you even though you've squandered everything. You can always come home. And my father accepted me again. This is a beautiful story because notice that the father didn't chastise the son didn't sit him down and give him a lecture, just loved on him. And that's the heart of God. But you know, I think the saddest part of the four illustrations is this son. Because he was on the threshold of everything. It was right there in front of him. The father said to him, everything I have has always been yours. This young man was just separated from God and at a distance from him. It's such a sad reality that when Jesus was talking to the audience then he knew he was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes the religious people who said that they had a heart after God and yet they were separated 
What a horrible story. And yet the father goes out to them and says, everything I have is yours. Just come back into relationship with me. I reckon we could just about say of everyone that's lost in the world, they fit one of those categories. But there's a godly, divine answer for every one of them. It's beautiful how the Father, the Spirit, and the Son are all represented in those stories, how God's heart is for lost people. He's not going to condemn them. He's not going to lecture them. He just wants to bring them in and nurture them and love them and give them a hope and a future. The easiest way to sum that story down is bring it down into two categories. You're either a captive or you're a prisoner. If you're a captive, it's not by choice that you're a captive. It's not by choice that your husband beats you and now you live in fear. That's You're a captive to that experience. But you can be a prisoner because of the choices that you make and then you deserve the punishment. You know, if you commit the crime, you do the time. And in, in life, I deserved what I had in my life because I made those choices. I didn't understand what it was to have... A, a pure relationship with a woman because I'd had so many with so many that I didn't even know what love was. Didn't understand what a a pure relationship was because it was so tainted. And it wasn't until God's revelation and God's heart came that I could rewire all that and then understand what it meant to love someone God's way. But that's the choice we have. We either live as a captive or a prisoner or in God's economy we live free liberated, set free from those things. Like a coin, we can be captive to the unfair and unjust treatment of others. We can carry the wounds around. We can carry those memories and those scars of being a neglected child or whatever the scenario might be, undervalued, abandoned. We can be like that sheep, prisoners to the fact that we were ignorant and naive and made foolish choices, easy prey for the enemy. We can be like the young son, prisoner to our own selfish rebellion went further, stayed longer, and it cost us more than we could really afford. We squandered our life, or we can be like that oldest son, prisoner to his old own false beliefs, you know. The goodness of God was right there, but he missed it. But God doesn't want us to be a captive or a prisoner. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. Yesterday I was supposed to go on a chartered fishing excursion for a guy's 40th birthday and uh, our car broke down and I didn't get there. And so I spent the day in Elstonwick, not the nicest suburb in Melbourne. But I had to hang around for quite some time just waiting for um, my car to get fixed. And I sat in McDonald's and, and had lunch and a, a busload of guys turned up that had been at a Bucks party carrying in a, they carried in a blow-up doll. Um those young men were just so lost. You know, standing up on the seats in McDonald's, pulled their pants down, you know, made made it you know, they thought they were thought they had life 
before them. It was so tragic to see. And the, the staff were apologising to everyone for their behaviour. And you know, the rest of the day, I just, everywhere God put me, there was just this lostness. This, this, it, it was so burdensome just sitting there watching all these different people, rich, poor, black, white, but just lost. No sense of hope, no sense of really knowing what life was all about. And God spoke to me and said, Mark, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Not sending you to make a middle-class church in the suburbs of Officer that's comfortable for everybody. That's not my heart. My heart is for lost, broken people who are burdened and needy. Sure, the ministry is the church is to take captives and prisoners and make them whole again. Isn't that your heart, Mark? Remember back to that time when you were part of seeing all those animals wasted. Well, how much more is your heart going to ache for people who are wasting away? Come back and have my heart for the lost. You've got hope in you. You've got hope that's risen and given you a life that's abundant. Give it away. Give it away. Get inside their lives and bring them hope again. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I really believe that's a challenge for our church and in the context of what we've heard about today from that kids camp. That little kid, Jack, there's thousands of little Jacks. There's thousands of single mums out there whose hearts are aching. There's thousands of men out there who are so mixed up chasing some dream out there that's just so hollow. They need men of God to come alongside them. You know, we've got great potential in this place because of who God is in our lives. We've got great opportunity before us as a church to, I don't have all the answers, but I know that if that's our heart, to say, Lord, just as you sent Jesus, send me, God will find the mission field. That's not going to be the hard part. The hard part's whether we want to be insulated and comfortable here or whether we want to get on our knees as a church and say, Lord, give us your heart for the lost. Give us ways that we can rub shoulders with these people that are really needy. And the beautiful context of that story was that Jesus was hanging around with sinners and tax collectors, the unlovely, the marginalised, the ones that are hard work, the ones that are probably easiest to say, no, nah, I'll stay away. They were the ones that he chose to go after. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What's our choice going to be this year? We're going to roll up our sleeves, get in the gutter, go and do soup kitchens and whatever God calls us to do, I believe he's going to call, cause us to get very uncomfortable this year. And uh, as I sat there in Elston Week yesterday, I just said, Lord, this is an alien world to me. Like I feel like a fish out of water here. I'm sending you, Mark. Are you willing to go? It's not about you. It's not about whether you feel confident. It's not about whether you feel equipped. It's not about whether you've got the answers because really you don't have a choice. As the Father sent me, do you think I wanted to hang on a cross? Do you think I wanted to bear the sin of the world? Do you think I wanted to give up my divinity and become a human and be rejected by my own people? I didn't want to choose that, but I did because it was my Father's will. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mark, that's my will. Go to the lost. Go to the lost. Will you go? Will you be my messenger? Will you be my ambassador? Will you have my heart for them? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that the testimony of so many of us here this morning is that you found us, that you rescued us from a place where we were like a lost sheep, just just aimlessly wandering through life, not really having purpose or destiny, but you rescued us. Or like a coin, Lord, that had been neglected and undervalued, you came and you, you spoke into our, our spirit and our being that we were of incredible value, forged by the hand of God, created in your image, that we were someone of, of great value and worth to you, even if we were neglected by people on this planet. Lord, you came and rescued us like lost sons or, or sons that were in the church and really didn't know what our inheritance was. You came and you brought revelation, you brought truth and you brought hope and joy and peace and abundance. And, and Lord, it's so wonderful that we're blessed. But we're blessed to be a blessing to others. We've been given hope as an anthem in our hearts so that it can arise in us and overflow and be given away. And Lord, I really believe you're calling us as a church to wrestle with what that means for us to be sent by you. Just as you sent your son, so that same mandate applies for us today to be sent into the workplace or into our families or communities. I don't know the context, but I know that we're sent. And I know that we have a choice to either say, Lord, here I am, send me, or we have a choice to let it pass us by. And so, Father, my prayer for us as a group of followers of Jesus is that today somehow you would bring us back to a place where the lost matter more than ourselves, than our needs and our wants and our desires are somehow secondary to saying that we're going to seek and serve those who need hope, those who need to hear about salvation and the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I really believe as a church we've got to come back to asking you to give us your heart for the lost, to break us again so that it matters more than anything else, so that we're not, not able to find a place of peace unless we're fulfilling your purposes of being sent, loving the unlovely. Lord, I don't know what the scenario is today, but we need to find the broken and needy. We need to find the injured and the wounded. We need to find the wayward and the misguided. We need to find the crushed and the traumatized. We need to be the ones that you send and are found willing, willing to go. Lord, as we stand on the threshold of a, a new year as a church, as we, we set our sights on, on a vision for this year, Father, don't let it be a vision built by the hands of man, 
but let it be a vision that's forged by the hand of God. Let it be a vision that's rooted in your heartbeat, Lord, for lost people. There's so many, Lord, who need to hear the name of Jesus, who need the love of God to be poured out all over them. Father, words are cheap, but they are meaningful. And Father, I want to declare today that, that I'm willing to go. I'm willing to be transformed into somebody that I'm not if it enables your kingdom to come and your will be done and for souls to be saved. Lord, would you transform my heart to be something that it's not, something more akin to your heartbeat that, that again, that the tears might flow for the lost people, that my heart might ache like your does. And Father, if there's anything in our lives that, that's protecting us from being vulnerable in your presence, from being your servants, Lord, I simply pray that you'd root it out of our lives. Father, that we'd be counted, willing, broken if needed. Just your vessels, Lord God. Father, would you help us to rediscover that heart for the lost today? Stir it up in our hearts today, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like you to do today just to finish is to pair up with someone and uh, have them pray for you that God would 